This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The NFL Draft recaps division by division conclude tonight with the AFC West. If you have been listening, I started it out with the four NFC divisions, and then the last three episodes were the AFC East, then the AFC North, and then the most recent episode was the AFC South. Make sure you are going back, checking each of those seven mini podcast episodes to hear my thoughts on every single team's draft, my favorite picks, my most valuable picks, uh, my questionable decisions and picks that the teams made, a synopsis of each team's draft, who improved themselves the most, and just commenting almost on every pick that each team made in the NFL draft for their team in terms of what I liked, disliked, and how I think they fared on draft weekend. So let's get right into it. The AFC West kicking it off is the Denver Broncos. They obviously did not have a first-round pick due to the Russell Wilson trade. They finally land that franchise quarterback, not until, not since Peyton Manning was still himself, have the Broncos had a top-tier franchise quarterback. Now that will change this year with Russell Wilson. With the picks they did have, they did bring in some interesting guys. In the second round, pick 64, overall, it took Oklahoma edge rusher Nick Benito. In the third round, I pick 80, overall, it took UCLA tight end Greg Dulcich. In the fourth round, I pick 115, they took Pittsburgh cornerback Demary Mathis. In the fourth round, I pick 116, overall, it took Iowa State defensive tackle Ioma Uzurique. In the fifth round, they took Oklahoma safety Deleron Turner-Yell. In the fifth round, they took Sanford wide receiver Montrell Washington. In the fifth round, they took Washington center Luke Wattenberg. In the sixth round, they took Wisconsin defensive lineman Matt Henniginson. And in the seventh round, they took Wisconsin defensive back Fion Hicks. Obviously, the Russell Wilson trade, you know, the big portion of this in terms of draft capital not at the top was due to the Russell Wilson trade not having that first-round pick. Uh, but they were they did a couple things I liked. There were more questionable decisions, I thought, here. I did like the Nick Benito pick. I thought he could have went mid-round two, and that would have been okay to get him the last pick in round two. So I think he – yeah, he's a little undersized, but this guy's got a great bend, great first step, great explosiveness off the edge. Uh, I think Benito could be a 10-sack guy at the next level. I think worst-case scenario, he's an electric situational pass rusher, but I could think he could develop into more. And even if he is a situational pass rusher, think about how many times – Teams are, are playing the pass. He could still be on the field 50-60% of the times, even if he's more of a designated situational pass rusher that they pick and choose their spots for him. You know, but he could develop even into maybe a more all-around player and they could find a way to hide him a little bit against the run. In the third round, uh, when they took Greg Dulcich, I like the player a lot. So so I do like the player a lot, but I also do think you can question it a little bit. They have Albert Okawebanam. I know they traded away Noah Fant. But most people thought, okay, Okawebenam is going to step up. You know, maybe they get another tight end to be a, a backup type. But Greg Dulcich, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, he was his favorite tight end prospect. I think other people might have had Dulcich as their top tight end as well over Trey McBride. You know, so Dulcich is a guy who could really attack the seam. 
be a good pass catching tight end, but that's also what Albert Okawebenam could do. And he's got Okawebenam's got more athleticism. So it's going to be really interesting. One was a third round pick. I think one was a fourth round pick. You know, listen, maybe they just kind of take away from each other, kind of like, you know, Hunter Henry and, you know, Jonu Smith kind of did in New England this year. And either of them are fancy viable, but we do know Russell Wilson liked throwing to tight ends. We started out over his time in Seattle, but they got Jerry Judy. They got Cortland Sutton. They got, you know, KJ Hamler. You know, they got, you know, good uh, duo in the backfield with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Like, how much production is, is two tight ends now if they're splitting time going to get? So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. I like Dulcich to player a lot. I do question whether or not they could have pivoted to a different player, different position there with Okawebenam on the roster to emerge as the starter potentially. Now I think it's a crapshoot whether or not it's Dulcich or Okawebenam. Maybe they're not as high in Okawebenam as maybe we all thought. Uh, after they traded Noah Fant. In terms of value, Damari Mathis, if he would have went in the mid to late third round, I don't think it would have been that surprising. So the fact that he they got him in the fourth round, that was pretty good value, but I, I didn't really think they did much else in terms of value. Benito was kind of scheduled to go round two. Dulce was scheduled to go round three. Maybe Mathis fell a quarter to a half a round, but that's really not a lot. Uh, I didn't see much other value there. I didn't really like any of the rest of their day three picks after Damari Mathis. Uh, Montreal Washington is an interesting developmental wide receiver prospect, but that's really about it. Uh, I thought they kind of could have attacked and got better value on their day three picks than they did. But if Russell Wilson, you know, gives them five, six years of, of great quarterback play still, then no one's really going to remember his draft or anything else. They remember it as this was the draft that they took their first round pick and they traded for Russell Wilson. And then maybe they got a couple other guys. I think Benito and Dulcich could have a role, but the problem with this draft is you look at it and there's no clear cut starters. Benito might be a starter, but what if he just is a situational pass rusher as much as I do like his game and think he could be, who knows if that's the plan for him. Dulcich might not be a starter because they have Okawebenam. Damari Mathis in the fourth round, yeah, maybe he develops into a starter or at least a nickel, but if it's not guaranteed. So I don't see any other guys that I feel definitively confident are going to be starters. They did have a pick in the second, third, and two in the fourth. You would have liked to feel a little bit more confident that you got guys who are maybe long-term starters. We'll see you know, if Benito or Dulcich or Mathis can materialize into that. If we... Keep this going to the Kansas City Chiefs, who were one of my favorite four drafts in the entire draft. Absolutely loved what the Chiefs did. Uh, They traded up in the first round for Trent McDuffie at pick 21. There were a lot of people who thought Trent McDuffie was targeted at 12, and if the Vikings don't trade down, they're taking Trent McDuffie at 12. So the fact that he was there at 21 was tremendous value. A lot of people thought the Eagles were going to take him. Obviously, they didn't make all their picks because of the A.J. Brown thing. The trade pre-draft with the Saints, where they got a future one and a future two for their one this year. Uh, But McDuffie is a guy that fell, and Kansas City was able to scoop him up. So I thought that was a great first pick by Kansas City. Later in the first round, their own pick. Uh, pick 30, they took Purdue edge rusher George Karloftis. In the second round of pick 54, they took Western Michigan wide receiver Sky Moore. Then they took in the second round Cincinnati safety Brian Cook. In the third round of pick one, Oprah, they took Wisconsin linebacker Leo Chanel. In the fourth round, Fayetteville State cornerback Josh Williams. In the fifth round, Kentucky offensive lineman Darian Kennard. Seventh round, they had a trio of picks. They took Washington State cornerback Jalen Watson, followed by Rutgers running back Isaiah Pacheco followed by Marshall Safety, Naziz Johnson. In terms of my favorite picks, 
my favorite pick, my value pick, it was Leo Chanel. I love Leo Chanel. If the Giants would have taken him at the top of the second round, top of the second round, pick 36, I would have went on Twitter. I would have went on my podcast. I would have applauded the pick. And I said they have a long-term building block starting linebacker. So for the Chiefs to get him at, at pick 103, I thought it was one of the best picks in the entire draft. It was my favorite pick. It was also a great value pick. But there were so many favorite and value picks other favorite picks i love the mcduffie pick i wasn't the biggest Karloftis fan but that was like if he was going to like 10 or 15 getting him at 30 i think is is is, is a really good pick i like Karloftis there at 30 another pick that i love sky moored 54 13th wide receiver off the board i didn't see that coming i wasn't as high on sky more as some people but i still thought he was like the 10th best wide receiver in this class uh, so for him to, to go there at pick 54, I thought was good value. And I really liked the pick a lot as well. I like the Brian cook pick. I think he could be a starting safety in this league for a long time. Uh, I like the developmental upside on Josh Williams out of Fayette, Fayetteville state. And then another one of the most valuable picks in the entire draft were offensive linemen from Kentucky, Darian Kennard, who's probably going to kick in from right tackle and maybe play guard. But this is a guy that if he would have went where his teammate Luke Fortner went at pick 65, people would have been like, okay, that's what we expected. I don't think anybody thought Fortner was going to go ahead of Kennard. So I think they got a guy who could be a starting offensive lineman real soon on that team. I like Pacheco as, as a third or fourth running back who can work his way up the depth chart. But I mean, when you look at this, McDuffie's going to be a starter soon. Karloftis, starter. Sky Moore, starter. Brian Cook, starter. Leo Chanel, starter. That's five right there. Their first five picks, I think, are all going to be starters by the start of year two. And then Kennard could develop into a starter. And Josh Williams, they could potentially get seven starters out of this draft. And I know they're not all going to hit. That's that's ridiculous to think. But it's not inconceivable based on the value that they got for these guys and what people think of these players. They're going to get five, I think, minimum. They could get six or seven. I really like what the Chiefs did here. And even if all these guys don't materialize into starters or high-end starters, they're going to get a lot of depth to, to continue to build that roster to give them an opportunity every year to be in the hunt uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, they had more draft capital this year due to trading Tyree Kill, so that's not the greatest thing. But if we focus just on the draft, it's one of my favorite drafts overall. Obviously, if you're going to knock it a little bit, it would be trading away Tyree Kill uh, because – he was the engine that really allowed them to do what they wanted to do. We know Mahomes is great, but the way defenses are going to scheme them now and play them is going to dramatically change without Tyree Kill being there. Next up is the Las Vegas Raiders. They did not have their first or second round picks because they traded for Devontae Adams, but they found a way with limited picks to have what I thought was a really strong draft at pick 90 overall in the third round, they took Memphis offensive lineman Dylan Parham, center guard. In the fourth round, I picked 122 overall. They took Georgia running back Zamir White. In the fourth round, they took LSU nose tackle Neil Farrell at pick 126. At pick 175, they took Tennessee defensive tackle Matthew Butler, more of a penetrating three tech. In the seventh round, offensive Ohio State tackle guard Dayer Munford. And then rounding out in the seventh round, UCLA running back, Bertain Brown. My favorite pick in terms of what they did uh, was Matthew Butler. I really liked the Matthew Butler pick a lot. I thought this was a guy, if he went snuck into the third round, I wouldn't have been surprised. I, I like the penetrating 
uh, upfield disruptor types, and that's what Butler could be. So I really like him. I also really like the Dylan Parham pick. If Dylan Parham would have went in the middle of round two or late late round two or early round three, I don't think anybody would have been surprised. I would have said good pick. He lasts all the way to pick 90, so I think that's a great pick. I think Dylan Parham is definitely going to be a starter. I like the Zamir White pick up in round four. They did not pick up the fifth-year option of Josh Jacobs. I do not think he will be back. So I think Zamir White is going to have a real chance to either beat or starter or be part of a committee backfield by as early as 2023. They might also use him a lot more this year with Josh McDaniels coming over. There might be more of a two-backfield team now this year, and if they do that, maybe they finally realize that Josh Jacobs could be a great pass-catching running back, and maybe they can free him up to do a little bit more of that if they use Amir White uh, intermittently on early downs. Uh, so I could potentially like that duo of them, and then maybe Zamir White taking over a year from now in a bigger role. I like the, I thought Neil Farrell was one of the better nose stuff, a nose tackle run stuffing defensive tackles in this class. I like Dayer Munford. I thought it was good value uh, in round seven uh, as a guy who can maybe be a swing tackle or kick inside and be a rotational guard. He's got some upside traits. I thought he would have went around four, around five. So him going around seven, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a starter, but I think he could be a solid depth piece. I did think pre-draft he would go in round four and have a chance to be a starter, but I, I really like the value that they got on him. And like I talked about before, my favorite pick, the value they got on Matthew Butler was good as well. Bertain Brown, I'm not going to nitpick if I had to pick one thing because they didn't really have anything that I questioned too much. I really thought they had a good draft based on the draft capital that they had. You know, I probably wouldn't have taken UCLA running back Bertain Brown, but, you know, they're probably stashing him on the practice squad maybe in a year. You know, he could have a role on this team. And let's finish it out with the final team of our recaps, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers. They kick things off at pick 17, taking Boston College offensive lineman Zion Johnson, played right tackle in college, is going to be kick inside the guard. Uh, pick 79, third, third round, they took Baylor safety, JT Woods. In the fourth round, pick 123 overall, they took Texas A&M running back Isaiah Spiller. In the fifth round, they took UCLA defensive tackle Otito Ogbanya. In the sixth round, Georgia offensive guard Jameer Salar. In the sixth round, Wake Forest cornerback Josiah Taylor. In the seventh round, uh, Ole Miss cornerback Dean Leonard. And the seventh round, Purdue fullback Xander Horvath. I liked a bunch of the things that the Chargers did. I really liked their first five picks. Uh, my favorite pick was Zion Johnson. I do not think it was too early. I know I had, you know, I mentioned that Kenyon Green at 15. Maybe it seemed a little early, but I still didn't mind it because he was the best offensive lineman left on the board. I, I feel the same way here. And the Chargers, they don't have a lot of holes or weaknesses. So I really don't care. Part of the issue with, with the Texans was maybe there was other positions of need that were just as important or more important that they could have got for the Chargers. They needed to continue to solidify that offensive line. I think they might have gotten two starting guards long-term from this draft class, but I think Zion Johnson is plug-and-play five- to ten-year starter on that offensive line. I think he's going to be one of the, the safest players in this entire draft. I love the Zion Johnson pick. Uh, I said I thought they could have gotten two starting guards. Yeah, that's because Jameer Sal Salyer was supposed to go in round three. Not round six at pick 195 overall. Played right tackle at Georgia. Is going to kick inside to guard. But this is a guy who I think, if given an opportunity down the line at some point, I think Salyer can be a starter with Zion Johnson. I really believe that. So I think Slater last year, Johnson and Salyer this year, I think they finally 
are going to have a really solid across the board offensive line and that's going to make their offense really scary with Justin Herbert at the helm their weapons their receivers uh I really think the Chargers are set up here they made investments on the defensive side and free agency as well and trades Chargers are set up to really be a legit contender in the not only the AFC West but the entire AFC uh I like the JT Woods pick you know I thought he was a guy that was definitely going to go around three Great athleticism, really good ball skills, uh, play sideline to sideline, great cover skills back there deep. I like the JT Woods pick. I like the Isaiah Spiller pick. I wasn't as high on Isaiah Spiller as some people. He was my fourth running back. I like James Cook clearly better than him, but I thought he could come off the board somewhere mid-round three to early round four. He ends up coming off the board a little bit later in round four, but I think he might be the perfect complement to Austin Eckler. They've tried every year. They take a day three running back. We get excited in the fantasy world, and then it it flops. But Isaiah Spiller is more talented than the guys that they've invested in in the past. You know, so I I think if they want to preserve Austin Eckler, I think Spiller they got to give Spiller a real shot. And I think Spiller could have a really good year. Better offensive line, Zion Johnson, Jameer Salar, great run blockers. I think they're going to have a better run game. I think Isaiah Spiller could really have a role as soon as this year. And I'm not going to say it's going to be a committee backfield because Austin Eckler is still going to lead it by a lot. I think Spiller could really have a, a an important role, short yardage, goal line, early downs. I think Isaiah Spiller could have a really good year this year, uh, even as a fourth-round pick. I like the Otito Ogbanya pick. I think he gives them uh, a guy with upside and a rotational piece along that defensive line as well. Obviously, I talked about Cellar being one of my favorite picks. If I'm really nitpicking in terms of things I'd question, the last three picks, Jasir Taylor, Dean Leonard, and Xander Horvath, I might have, I would have went different places than those guys, but it's hard to really gripe with this. Uh, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. They don't have a lot of holes. They attack their needs aggressively with two offensive linemen, a running back that they needed, a safety that they needed. I really like what the Chargers did in this draft. If we're talking just the drafts alone, I would say Chiefs one, uh, Chargers two, Raiders three, and Broncos four. I do really like the Raiders, but they obviously didn't have as many picks. It's really hard to rank this with the trades though, right? Because that involves taking Tyree Kill out. It involves adding in Devontae Adams and Russell Wilson. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. Uh, in terms of just the picks that were made, I love the Chiefs the most, followed by the Chargers, the Raiders third, but I did really like what the Raiders did with the picks they had. Uh, and then the Broncos, I, I didn't love what the Broncos did. I, I That's the one that I was kind of really down on from this draft class. I think a lot of the teams in this division – in terms of the offseason in general, have dramatically improved, right? The coach an upgrade, I think, in getting Josh McDaniels there, Devontae Adams and their draft class. I think the Raiders are going to be better. I think the Chiefs might take a little bit of a step back, even though they had a great draft. They're losing Tyree Kill. Uh, so I think they might have came slightly back to the pack a little bit. Uh, the Broncos obviously got a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson, and I think the Chargers, I kind of laid it out. I think they're ready. If I had to guess right now what team wins the division, I'm guessing the Chargers are the first place. Chiefs are two. Broncos, even with the addition of Russell Wilson, still might be the third best team in that division, followed by the Raiders, who I think are a good team. I think they can win nine games or eight games. Just not sure it's going to matter 
with how good the AFC is in general, and then the AFC West in particular. They got to play those other teams six times. I mean, these guys are going to, teams in the AFC West are going to beat up each other a little bit and, and accumulate some losses just playing in division there because of how much talent there it is. So there it is, guys. Eight of these episodes recapping the draft in the books. If you've been enjoying this content, please get over to the website, ssfootball.com. Check out the premium content tabs. It is not too late to purchase those premium notebooks. I, I continue to say, guys, we need more sales. We need more of our, 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 our valued listeners to check it out, to use the resources. You get so much for $9.99, so much for your Devi Leagues, your Dynasty Leagues, your Dynasty Rookie Drafts. If you're starting any new Dynasty startups, if you're just interested in learning more about these players that are now in the NFL, there's so much stuff there in the scouting notebook and the draft projections notebook to kind of help you get ready for the NFL season, learn about so many of these young players on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, so please consider purchasing that. Uh, if not, get over to where you li- wherever you listen to the podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate that as well. This is episode 499. We're, we're trying to plan something special, guys, for episode 500. Be on the lookout on my Twitter handle, on Matt's Twitter handle, on Jeff's Twitter handle, on the S2S Twitter handle. Uh, we'll let you know what we're planning for episode 500. Thank you for everyone who's been with us along the way or new people. Thank you for coming our way. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot to us, you know, that here we are on the precipice of episode 500. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano and myself, thank you for joining us. And I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.